Welcome to The Goddess and the Medicine Woman with Melissa McHugh and Sydney Decker. In this episode, Melissa and Sydney talk with Michelle DeKaiser about women's circles, connecting as a mama, and conscious parenting, and find a reward in the journey. Come on in and join the conversation. Hi, Sydney Decker. Hello, Melissa McHugh. How's everything going today? It's pretty good. Good. I um, am just dropping into myself and into the peace that I feel and just staying there. Yeah. It's very chaotic outside and you talk to someone and their energy takes you somewhere. So I'm just, like I just was saying, I was in a meditation. I'm bringing it with me. Good. Yeah. I felt a little, well, we did have our, um, we have our uh, thing with Lauren coming up on Saturday. So we were in that mode earlier, our um, circle. So then you want to shift gears into something different. And sometimes it's hard, <laughs> you know, you start off like uh, our guest and I were actually just talking about that, how you have like different roles that you play and you're in one gear and then you want to move into a different gear. And sometimes it feels a little chaotic when you're like shifting in between. So. Yeah. So I think we're going to shift gears pretty quickly then and go into our guest today because I'm very um, interested to hear what she has to say. And our guest today is Michelle DeKaiser. And Michelle is a wife and mom of three kids who participated in various mom groups, ran a few, and even joined some book clubs. But she envisioned something different as she found herself looking around, still wondering what she liked to do. Um what she liked to do that didn't involve the kids activities. And I can, I'm, I hear a lot of moms actually saying stuff like that. Like it's all kids all time. Well, what about me? Right. So she worked to discover her own passions. She realized that there is no one size fits all program, but the true key to figuring out your passion and making your goals happen is finding connection in a supportive environment. Her new mission is to help other moms find their passions while being more present with their families in a supportive, empowering environment surrounded by grace. And she has started spreading this message through YouTube, Instagram, and her blog. Uh, Michelle holds an MA in education and spent eight years dedicated to the classroom before having a family. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to see you, Melissa, and you too, Sydney. Awesome. So yeah, it's interesting that um, we uh, came across you right now because um, on the 16th, we are actually facilitating a women's circle. And I see that that is the, uh, something that you like to speak on. So my first question for you is, why do you believe that women's circles are important? Well, I have to go back to um, part of my story is I, um, when I was struggling to figure out who I was, I did a program called a 75 hard. But it was in that part that I started doing meditations and stuff that I actually remember one day sitting in the kitchen. I don't even know why, but I was sitting in the kitchen on our, the little kid's stool. <laughs> I was meditating. And in this moment, I came with um, the, the name Circle of Grace and women sitting in a circle. And honestly, to be truthful with you, like I had no idea how many women's circles like existed out there or this was even a thing at all. Like completely had no idea until I started going down this path. But that was like a divine inspiration that I just got hit with. And all of a sudden, like, what do I do with this? And as I started to work towards creating this idea and, and fostering it, um, I came across um, through, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out where the quote, where it originated that I got this idea, but the Dalai Lama explaining in 2009 that the Western woman would save the world. 
And then it was Dr. Bolin who created the, who wrote the million circle, who interpreted that for me to be that it was when we get to that tipping point, the metaphorical number of a million, but when we get to that tipping point of enough people, enough women creating that energy through circle work and changing our shift and how we look at each other, they would create this tipping point. And that fascination with all of that just led me down, figuring out even more and wanting to create more and more circles and wanting to join her movement. And ironically, I was looking her up, it was probably like three months ago now, and going, where, what, what is she up to? And I knew they had a website that told that you could put in how you were helping um, support the mission and stuff. And so I was looking for that when I found out that she was going to be speaking in Chicago, which is 90 minutes from my house. Oh, wow. And so I was like, well, it's time to go see what this is all about. And she was speaking at the world, um, the Parliament of World Religions. And I had no idea exactly what it was about or anything. I'd never heard of it till I had gone there or looked at her site. I ended up being able to spend the entire week at the World Religions Parliament to figure out that they had a whole entire women's floor full of just circles everywhere. And so I participated in so many different circles, met so many different circle leaders, but it's just been this journey of realizing how prolific it is, but at the same time that it's not mainstream. Like, I feel like a lot of women don't know about it. So I feel like I'm on a mission now to like bring that circle mission, like whether they join my, my group, but just to get more circles created because it needs to be more mainstream, I think. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always heard about women's circles, but kind of on the periphery, like a circle, a circle, you know, but it's like you said, it's not out there yet. And I think it's um, that we're being called to do that as well. So that's very interesting that all of a sudden that so many of us are just like, hey, we need to come together. We need to create these communities of yes. women empowering one another, um, speaking their truth, feeling their feelings, you know, and then that's going to help to, um, you know, help the, help the world basically. So that's amazing. I, I can't agree more. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, I can't agree more. And it's actually funny since the parliament, um, since I met so many leaders, it's funny that I'm, we're talking right now and having, it, it really is convergence because I'm having, starting to do interviews of all kind of circle leaders just to like really start. My whole goal is just to like, not quite sure where it's going to lead yet, but I was just called to like, let me start interviewing and getting the word out and start spreading and seeing how we can work together more. So you might be on my list room. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. But I think it's just, it, it really is convergence when we start putting our thoughts out there and our words and we start as women working together rather than having to compete against each other. Yeah. And the magic that we can do with lifting each other up is so much more powerful. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. I feel like um, a lot of history of like women's history has been left out. So we often feel like left out of history because like if you open a book, it's mostly like what men have conquered or accomplished or read or wrote or done or created. And then in little ways now we're finding out that women have actually been big um, supporters in what the men have done too. But when you start to learn about the matriarchy and how the matriarchy was so powerful because women would come together and they would gather and they would share and they would share in their wisdom and they would share in their own magic and it was in our bodies were embraced and not only were our bodies embraced but like our menstruation was embraced our cycles were embraced our flow was embraced and when you were talking about like the circles and starting to um, have that like meditation and stuff I was actually being shown like high school and high school to me is like a big way in which you'd start to see how the patriarchy separates women. Because if you're in a woman's circle together with women, like right now, 
we are going to come together and we're going to talk and we're going to sing and we're going to be in love and light, but insert a man. And if we ask for his opinion, like who has the better hair? Now we're all in competition with each other. Now we're all separated because now we're seeing each other through the male gaze. And that's what the biggest thing is. And that's what keeps us separated because now we're fighting over each other. And if, and I encourage people to see Barbie too, because if you've seen the Barbie movie, it really like brings in that awareness because you start to actually see how a, a, a patriarchy gets formed and how they do start to pin you the women against each other and then make the women kind of cater to the man's needs and kind of dumb them down. And when you get women together in a circle, because it's not like a hierarchy, like we all come together to share, it changes everything. Like it just changes everything for women. It's, it. I mean, I don't know, I'm not a man, so I've never have been to a man's circle, but there is just something about the circle of women because women are also so intricately connected to the circle and the flow of life. And I think that when we all sync up in that very powerful way, miracles happen. So I just, as you were saying that, I just saw like the separation of like, man, some of the people I used to be like was really good friends with in high school hated each other because I there was that guy and you liked that guy. or And mm-hmm. it's just so stupid looking back on it. Because now I'm not even talking to that guy that I was in competition with the girl. And when you get the guy after competition anyways, you're just kind of like, oh, this is what it is. You know? <laughs> like, Was it worth it? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can't agree more. But then even further separation. I mean, when we think about how we've secluded ourselves in houses and cars, mm. I mean, like, especially as moms, we run around in the car now by ourselves. We think about back in the day, you'd be by the river washing clothes together you'd be doing those chores yeah. together now we're doing everything separate and supposed to do it by ourselves so we do it perfectly so it's to mm-hmm. be pinterest-esque and like perfect in how we do it and, and i was even thinking like i was writing the story about thinking about maybe my daughter was two up at mid like two o'clock in the morning making all these party treats for the kids was it for the kids or my daughter no it was to make sure the other <laughs> yeah. moms didn't look down on me yes. and i think that that we do those things rather than to, to compete against each other rather than to lift each other up a lot. Mm-hmm. Whereas the circle helps to alleviate some of that, that we get rid of some of that sisterhood wound and those ideas of, of not belonging, that we finally find what we've been looking for so, for so long. I mean, when it, you think about it, because we were the gatherers together and the men were out separate hunting and our, our we are ingrained for, for closeness, for belonging, but we've been separated in the society especially in the first world where we have our little houses and our cars and, and just doing everything by ourselves and have to do it the right way. And you're afraid to ask for help because you get looked down upon. Yeah. And I really love that perspective too about, cause I'm not a mother. So this is really good because a lot of our listeners are mothers. Um, so kind of, I guess it would be interesting to hear your journey through that because I never really thought of it as the separateness and taking care of the kids and you know you used to have help and now it's like it's a lot about this perfect mom thing is there any way that you could like kind of touch a little bit more about your journey with that and um maybe what you've seen and stuff because i i i can already feel like i know some of my clients who are listening can relate so i want i want to say part of that is that when we first have that child i mean it just changes who we are and 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 what all of a sudden our needs are different now and we can't we start saying no to all the things, whether it's consciously or unconsciously, 
well, I, I would say it's consciously, but it's, we don't realize the choice that we're making. So every time that we say no to going out with our friends or doing those things, and it's not that it's good or bad, it just changes who we are. So you wake up five years later and you're just a different person because you're not doing those things you used to do. And so it's not whether it's good or bad, it's, it's recognizing that and recognizing what then now that this is where you're at, what do you want? For me, I was so busy trying to make all these big play dates and, and make all these connections, but I never really felt that connected even when I was having all these parties and doing all that stuff. And and I felt like there was a lot of superficial conversation. And of course, with the kids around, you can't necessarily always have those conversations. As soon as you get into something, someone needs something. And then all of a sudden it's like, what just happened? That happens a lot just with motherhood. But still, it was just even if you go out for a mom's night or something, it was for me, I felt like I would be at a table where there's just lots of complaints. And they would be tying top each other by who had who had it worse. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times I would just sit there mute because it wasn't that I necessarily wanted to complain, but I didn't know. Or I'd be searching my brain trying to find a complaint to bring to the table. <laughs> right. But it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. And I feel that happens with motherhood too, is, is that's our camaraderie is let's commiserate together rather than lift each other up. And so it's like, who has it worse? And that's how we lift that. That's how we be bringing that belonging together, but that's not necessarily healthy either. And so it's not that we shouldn't share our struggles, but it's not that we should live in them. Yeah. And we we share them to move through them rather than just, but it felt like it was always the same conversation over and over. And I felt that's where I really got lost is trying to figure out who I was and where wh who could I share this information with. And for me, honestly, as a kid, um, I struggled with just sharing who I was, just my family dynamics. So I would always keep bottle everything in. So for me to really learn how to share and be open was really difficult, especially even, I mean, my husband would be like, he'd be like, okay, time to talk. I'm like, nope, bye. <laughs> and, and so for me, that's, that, that's in my journey, but like these women's circles and just being able to open up in a different way. And sometimes, especially one of the reasons why I personally want to lead them virtually um, at first, especially for women's is because it's a baby step. When I, when I, I, um, when I first did it, I did an in-person circle for myself and I could feel the, in my body as we did activities and things together, I always felt like anxiety. I didn't feel quite right, but it wasn't necessarily them. It was, it was me, how I was like, it's almost like jumping into deep end without knowing how to swim. And it's like all this belonging, all of a sudden, like everything I ever wanted, but it's like, how do you actually handle that? And it was too much for, for, mm -hmm. for the trauma of my body to handle mm -hmm. that. So I, I ended up having to remove myself from that. Like, what the heck did I just Wait, do? Wait, can How we is pause gonna... there? That's such oh, a yeah. good, important point to say of like when we're starting to feel better and it's like, but this is too much good for my trauma. I love that. I love yeah. that awareness because so often do we want to be loved and yeah. want to be seen and want to be heard. But that is so against what our natural, it's even though that it doesn't seem natural, but it is our natural process is to run away from those things or not feel good or whatever that it will get taken away from us. So that is a very huge statement that I wanted to kind of just like highlight of it didn't, it didn't do right with my trauma. And that's how we have to kind of separate. So that's okay. Keep going. I just thought that was like, so huge. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. But that's where I was at. So then that for me, why to create this business around by that point, I had figured out I'd already had the meditation I already figured out I want to do this for other women. And then at that point, for me, that felt like rock bottom, because it's like, well, if I can't even create belonging with these people, if I can't handle it, how am I going to actually do this? Mm -hmm. And then that's what actually 
was a realization for me was, well, then how? Because I do still want it. And I'm sure other women might feel the same way and they still want it. But how is this actually going to work? And that's when I was like, it really, for me, had to start virtually in terms of those baby steps. It's like almost sometimes easier to open up to strangers at a time and it's some but then you not strangers for long when you're in the same group but it is you're not seeing them all the time and it's a, it's a safe space to create to to start that process of unpeeling the onion because it is layers and if you try to just rip it open then that smell is really really bad <laughs> versus like peeling it away right so yeah. like when i realized and then i start finding other people who were doing what i was doing and i didn't feel like i didn't have that same anxiety when i was sharing with them and as I start to open up more and more, then it became easier. And so I feel like a lot of moms are in that same situation where they have been isolated for so long, or they've said no to, to so many other people for so long. I was in five years later, how do I even call that friend who I used to be really good friends with? Because I said no for so long. Mm-hmm. Now I want connection. Now I feel like I have time because my kids are a little bit older. And that's why I was like, one of the um, women I, I feel like the, the best part to really start is when you have the, those elementary age kids, because you're kind of out of that survival mode. Um, and, and you kind of, depending on how you got through it is a lot of them at that point have figured out, wait a minute, I have time, but I don't know what to do with it. And for me, I just found myself like playing candy crush or scrolling Facebook, which made it worse. Facebook made it much worse. (laughs) And then you get lost in candy crush or whatever game or whatever distraction you use come surface an hour later. You're like, what just happened? Where are the kids? And, And all of a sudden you're like tired and you just feel worse. And that cycle just keeps going. And it's really just you keep pushing down that wanting more, but not knowing how or why or what to do about it. And so it's really when you want that more and you're sitting there doing dishes and you start crying and you're like, you don't know why. And you just push it back down. And I feel like that's what a lot of moms do. That's mm-hmm. your calling to come out and to, to join with other women to do more to create this world a better place. But we have to do it slowly and figure mm-hmm. out first with ourselves. What is it that I want to do? What is this calling asking me to do? Listen to my gut. And for me, it was connecting mamas, but for someone else, it might simply be doing a volunteer project in their neighborhood or whatever it is, but it's coming to that realization and coming to these circles to figure that out and to really have that space to be seen and heard because no matter how many self-help books you read on your own, even if you're doing the activities, you're not seen or heard by another person. Yeah. And that's what women need to really take that next action step. Yeah. And to get per- give permission, you know, to get permission, you know, you have these feelings, but you don't, you think it might be wrong. Well, am I the only one? Nobody else is doing this. Why? I can't go out there on my own and do this. This is not what we do. We're moms and we stay at home and we take care of the kids and we don't have groups of us, you know what I mean? Or like you said, if we do have groups, we come together and we bitch about our husbands and about the kids and about everything we have to do and everything, all the things. Yeah. So that's very interesting that just shifting that, you know, the energy behind it all, which is what I think we're as women trying to do consistently in this world right now is no matter where we find ourselves shifting it, you know, into this beautiful thing instead of the system that we've always, you know, been in. And now we're waking up to that fact of like, why am I doing this? This feels terrible. I know I'm a smart person. I can figure out a different way. And now we're all starting to do that. So I think that's amazing that you're doing that. And I mean, really the first step is just identifying that, that, that you do have that calling, that, that you aren't going to push it down anymore. And that's what, that's why I just suggest finding a woman's circle or other women who are in that space. Because like I said, when I had to remove myself from 
the group I was speaking of, one of them said to me, well, we were just doing a favor. We didn't really want any of this personal growth or any of this stuff. And so it's really being with women of that energy who, who are ready for that, who do want to lift you up. And, and some aren't, and some are complacent with their content where they are. And that's, that's great. But it's, if you have that calling, that's the place that that's a safe way to start expressing it, to get it out there until you're ready to show the world. Cause when we, ha- it's, it's kind of like an infancy, like the baby, you're like hiding the baby from everyone till they're, till they're ready to go onto the world. Well, it's the same thing with your dreams and who you are is you need to discover that first. And when you're confident in that, then you share it with the world, but to get that safe space, to bring that baby back out. I mean, we're all, we're all mothers. We all have that mature, that, that mother archetype in us, whether we've given birth to an actual baby or not, we are birthing ourselves and we're birthing our own creativity, but that takes nurturing just like any baby. Yeah. And so the best way to do that is with women who are supportive of that. And we really, I think a lot of us have been so hurt by other women that we don't realize that that's even available to us. And I think that's the important part is realizing that it is out there and it is worth looking for. Yeah. So I think that's just beautiful. The knowledge of that there is a step in between, because I know with me, I, you know, it was from up here to go out and do it. But with the trauma of that, sometimes, like you said, like I got overwhelmed, I would get so anxious and, you know, but I kept pushing because there was nothing in between that. It was either I go for it and do this, or I go back to the old way and no way am I going back there. So I'm just going to push through it, but a very traumatic way. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like wow, having the yeah. yeah, section instead yeah. of yeah. actually finding, you know, the doula who can you know, ease it out. You. Yeah. That's amazing. I never thought about that. The doula. <laughs> yeah, in terms of like the, the next step, but it's yeah. true. It's, it's like, how do we as women help support each other? In, and again, it's, it's finding that safe environment. Again, it's, it is really about safety because that's what stops us from being who we are is we don't feel safe to do it. And we need the confidence to do it when it's not going to be safe because we've already done it in safety. We've already said, okay, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And now I'm ready to go face um, that. So even yesterday, my daughter, my, my, so all three of my kids are in scouts and boy scouts had opened it up to girls um, around before COVID around COVID or somewhere around there. So both of my daughters are in in scouts. And so my, All three of them were um, out at Pick and Save yesterday selling popcorn and they go intense in it. Um, my son kind of started the whole process of just being a good salesman and got the other girls involved. But anyways, there was an Islamic man who my daughter just went up to ask if he was willing to buy popcorn from her. He just started screaming at her in his language and just got so angry about it. And I think that's just a sign of like not feeling safe to be who you are. And she was like traumatized by that. Mm. And I think many of us as kids have been traumatized by other women or things when we try to show who we are and we got betrayed or like you said, the man got involved and we were fighting over the boy or, or whatever it is that we have that trauma in us thinking, well, I can't really trust women. I mean, how many times have, I mean, there's so many women out there saying, well, I can't trust women or you get the women boss. You're like, oh, shit, I get a woman boss. And those thoughts going through our heads because we're not in this for each other. But the more, as I was saying, Dr. Bolin was saying, the more we get these circles, the more we get that energy shifted that's when the paradigm is going to shift and and we don't have the man in front of us telling what's doing more, but we're in circles, communing, growing together because we're all the teachers. I mean, we might have a facilitator of the circle, but everyone in that circle is a teacher as well, because we're going to learn something from each person in that circle. Yeah. Well, this is building on our conversation that we had last week, a lot of 
Um, I just had this download while we were talking last week. Um, the episode's out now, but about the feminine and the masculine and how the masculine is the structure and the feminine is the energy and the flow within that structure. And a lot of times we are, are taking the structure as women and, and trying to identify with it, but not recognizing that we can't identify with the structure because who we are is not that structure. Even though we're told that you are this world and you are this structure and you have to fit in, a lot of women are walking around in a masculine, they created a masculine mask. Men also had to create a masculine mask as well, but there's a lot of feminine that had to create a masculine mask to get around. I mean, I did for sure. And the biggest thing for me that I woke up to was um, last week, I, I'm this loving person. I'm super, 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 super loving. But when I became a teenager, I adopted a masculine mask and my masculine is very aggressive, very aggressive, very competitive, very much. You will not F with me because I was constantly being effed with like as a kid touched pulled push whatever like because I was just this la 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 like you could come and like whatever and I would be like la 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 and it's like and nothing and then I had to be like okay and then my dad and my dad saw that in me but he was a man who was a sensitive man who shut his sensitivity down so he wanted me to always be tough like anytime I think back on anything that he ever taught me it was like toughen up Sid this world's tough you got to toughen up kid you got to toughen up. That's what I kept hearing over and over and over. So I did. I created a very tough masculine. My mom was a very tough masculine. You want to run? Let's run. I'll race you. You want to climb? Let's climb. I'll climb with you. Like you want to, my brother would start to attack me. I would tell him to stop. He didn't. Next thing you know, I'm on top of him. My mom's having grabbed me off of him. Like I just became so, I was like, I need to fit in this world. So I, what masculine do I need to become? And I think that we all ask ourselves that because we're so fixated on the structure. And then we start to view our own femi femininity and as this awful, chaotic, no thing. So then we start to reject women that that look that way or act that way or are, or are that way. Or like, I remember for a while, like it used to be weird because I was so identified with the masculine. If I had a friend who was crying, I was like, what is this? Like, I can't even. Now I'm like, cry with me. Like, you know, yeah. like let's, let's feel, but it's just so interesting how, like you're saying, it's like women coming together in these circles is going to create a energy. It's going to open up a flow and that energy is what's going to allow the structure to keep us going in that direction. So it's when we sit and we sit with ourselves and we soften into that internal energetic realm that dictates everything because we're out here trying to build new structures and then we put the same people in the same structure and it's like well it's failing again well because we're not doing anything new we're we built a new structure but we're not putting anything new inside of that structure and so it's like as you're talking it just made me realize like that's what that means when we come together and we shift our energy that's how it, like the western woman's going to save because we are in the western world we are suppressed enough, but free enough to say something. You know, we yes. can see the suppression, but luckily and in gratitude that we were born, it sucks still to be a woman here, but we at least can say something. And a lot of other cultures, you say something, you're killed. So that's why the Western woman, we do have an opportunity to do something for the world here. And that's, and I'm like getting chills because that's what we're, that's what we can help save women everywhere by doing that. So 
with all that said, I wanted to kind of ask you like your, cause we didn't really get like your journey, you know, like we kind of got a little bit about it, but what, how was that internal process for you? Like, you know what I mean? Like waking up to your feminine kind of wanting to share and like your, the ways that like these circles have helped you. Does that make, is that a good question? Well, I think what, I think what I'm, how I'm going to answer it is that at first it was this, this in me, the sense of wanting to belong. And so that's what I was searching for. That's why, like when I said, I, I, I create this in-person circle, right? Like I, I wanted this sense of belonging in, in my head. I was thinking, and it's funny, I always had the idea of um, Sex and City and the four of them as like that bond. And actually last summer I got to go um, on a cruise that Kenneth Burchell was part of. And so I actually got to have some conversations with her about the creation and she's like i didn't even care for the tv show like it wasn't my idea i wanted carrie to be the main character and just having these different friends and different experiences but it wasn't the friendship wasn't the thought of my center of what i thought about so i thought that was so ironic in terms of what was in my ideal of belonging right it was like a, a toast so close-knit friendship like that was my sense and to have that turned a little bit but just however she interpreted or what i got from what she said in our conversation but so I've always had this longing for that kind of longing. So then when I create the circle and it felt like we were, we had those conversations, we were, all the kids were getting together and stuff. And yet I was still feeling that anxiousness inside of myself. And what it really came down to, I think, well, before I'd create that circle was, like I said, I started, it was September 1st of 2020 when, um, during the midst of COVID, when we decided to homeschool our kids for that year, at least. Um, because my father at the time and my brother-in-law were both had cancer. And so we not knowing any of the effects of COVID, we just didn't want to put more in front of them at any time we get a chance to see them. So, but on the same day, deciding I was going to homeschool, that's when I started the 75 heart. And I don't know how many people know what the 75 heart is, but it's a regiment where you do two 45 minute workouts a day. One has to be outside. You stick to a diet, you pick a diet, you stick to it. There's no alcohol. You read 10 pages of nonfiction a day, whatever you want to learn. If you're anything, you have to take your picture every day. And so you do all these things. Now, the, the big catcher is that if you don't do one of those, oh, and a gallon of water. And if you don't do one of those things, you go back to day one. Yeah, yeah. Nick was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. My brother was doing that. And he, yes. He, he was did really it too. I used to walk with him every once in a while. And I'd see him out there always walking. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of walking. Yeah. And I did a lot of yoga. And so sometimes it was even just a nighttime 45 minute yin yoga that I found that that was my second workout of the day. But I, I mean, it was one of those ones where my husband looked at me and goes, yeah, okay, another program you're going to start What? yeah, whatever. And then the days just start ticking off. And before you know it, I finished 75 days. So I decided also to do the three phases for the year. I don't know if you guys have heard about the phases. There's three phases that take you through an entire year. So they're 30 days each, but there's rules to when you can do them. But like phase one also includes a five minute cold shower and on top of everything else. Includes a 10-minute visualization and doing three more things of your own choice. But again, that checkoff list. The phase three includes talking to a stranger every day, which was kind of hard in the midst of COVID. I mean, it still wasn't quite COVID, but that was hard. And then um, I'll doing a random act of kindness. So some of those things on top of everything else that you're already doing. So day 25 of phase three, so five days away from being finished for the entire year. I guess I fell asleep reading my book. Um, I wake up at 2.30 in the morning. You know what I hadn't done for the day? I hadn't taken my picture. And they say the picture is the one that, that clenches you at times as well. So at 2.30 in the morning, I did take my picture and I was about to give up, but actually those friends in that circle told me not to. And so I did finish out the five days. So whether I finished the year or not, I did. But what I made me realize again, 
is you always hear the saying, it's about the journey. And you don't believe it. Like it just, it's words, right? Sometimes, but that actually made me realize because it was like, kept waiting for this end date. Like what's, what's it going to mean when I finish this year, right? And then that happened to me five days before I was done. And it was just like, it really was about the journey because then I look back. And the reason why they make you take the pictures is so because they know you won't unless they force you to. <laughs> but I saw the progress. I mean, I had lost 45 pounds. I had changed my perspective. I, I now had this download of this business I want to create. I, I had these ideas flowing that I didn't have before. So for me, that was kind of the wake up call for me in terms. And again, when I had this download, I had no idea about all the other women's circles out there. No clue to how prolific this was. But again, it's not mainstream, which is why I think I'm on a mission to help make it mainstream um, because we need that more. And so for me, it was, it was wanting this closeness and this belonging. And so again, the journey part coming back to the journey, which, oh, I'm not wearing this. It's another necklace, but, um, when it came to it, it was realizing, and when I had to remove myself from the circle and it was like, it wasn't about the belonging to other people. It was about the belonging to yourself, being okay with yourself. And wanting to actually, when there is time for silence, like, I mean, when my husband used to go on a business trip, I'd be frantic and like, what am I gonna do with myself at night? Now it's like, I have so much stuff to do. I'm like, okay, bye, bye. bye. Like, I, <laughs> like, you can feel the difference when like, you know, there's things you want to do versus like, you're waiting for someone else to feel that time or you're filling the void of it. And there's a huge difference when you do belong to yourself and then you're ready for the belonging to other people. But it is in those baby steps of being with women who are in that same journey that you're able to figure that out and to be able to have those conversations. That's where the circles were so important to me as I was creating them is I, I like I said, didn't join any other ones. It's always been ones that I've created just until recently. Cause I just didn't know how prolific it was. Um, but it was really about, even if you're facilitating them, you're still partaking in them. It is a medicine to help bring that out of you of how do you belong to yourself? What does that even mean? How do I look in the mirror and say, I'm happy to see you today. I'm not like all those thoughts in your head, like what's wrong with my face? What's wrong with this? And you feel the difference. And I mean, you still have your bad days and stuff, but it's not all the time. And you're looking and that's what we're really looking for. It's, it's not. And the women, when you find the right supportive group, really help bring that forth. And you bring that forth for, ever, for each other. And it's not a competition. We're all trying to find what we call our genius zone. And so we're igniting that genius in each other. And then when you start to do that, you start to see that it igniting your kids as well. I mean, my kids are now modeling after what I'm doing. My son wants to start a microgreen business. And actually yesterday he spent the whole day working on my YouTube shorts. <laughs> He's inspired by it. And he actually got me a week out for the first time ever that I was ahead. But I mean, they want to then join and, and you have these genuine connections and things that you're both interested in. Like, I was like, your work comes first. If you don't want to do these shorts, you don't have, he's like, no, mom, I really want to help you. That's I swear awesome. you're not forced to. <laughs> and that's so great just, because I can see where, you know, I was just thinking about how in my life too, when you start some, something like that and some places kind of like this podcast where you just want to bring all of that into every aspect of your life. You know, you start to feel comfortable with other people, with other women, with sharing your feelings, and then you want to move on with that. It's like show up that way in everything, in every place that you go. And I think that's really important that we start doing that, you know, being authentic that way is I'm completely authentic in my women's circle, but then I'm going to go back out here and I'm just going to, nah, I'm not going to act that way because I don't feel, you know, I think eventually if you can start doing that, I think that's like 
the goal, isn't it? To just be who you are everywhere that you are. I mean, that is the ultimate goal. And I just think the circles are the place to get that supportive feeling to get that, that process started because really when women do come together, it's, it's magical when, when we're there to be supportive, non-judgmental, authentic, and truly listen to each other. Yeah. So much of the time you're so busy, like, well, how do I give them advice? How do I tell them what to do? How do I fix this for them? Yeah. And it's, yeah. and, and, and you think about it when, when you, from a male perspective, like when your husband or boyfriend or whoever tells you what to do or how to fix something like you are repelled by that. But as women, we're still doing that to each other. Yeah. And so it's really more about those listening skills. And even with the kids, I mean, when you're talking to your kids, like our first as mama bear or whatever is to like, let me fix this for them. And I literally will have to purse my lips together. And the beauty really is in the pause. We always don't want to fill the, we, we always want to fill that pause, but it really is when you give them chance to think and to keep saying, are they done? But as soon as we speak, we shut them down and their thoughts stop and they don't finish developing, developing it themselves. And so that becomes the problem. And we do that to each other. And then we do that to our kids. And that's what proliferates the, the uh, masculine idea that we have to fix everything. Because I mean, that really is that masculine energy is like, well, let me help you. Let me fix it. But really you're wanting to highlight that in the person. So you, they realize they have the strength to work it out themselves and to give them that support to figure it out and to give them that space to share it because we do do better when we verbalize it. We have to get out of our heads. We either have to verbalize it or we have to write it down. Because if it just sticks in our head, it's just going to circle and circle. So those are the two ways that we can get out of our heads, but we need another person to be able to verbalize it with. But if they're going to shut us down or say, you need to do this or you need to do it that way, especially in motherhood, they're going to be like, oh, well, my kids do it this way. So that's going to work for you. Like, maybe it won't, maybe it will, but like, you've got to give them the space to figure out and then ask, do, do you want a thought on that? Did you want to just speak about it? Cause that's all I'll do that. My 10 year old daughter all the time is like, do you want me to go call her mom? Do you want me to do that? Or do you want to just sit here and complain? She's like, good now. Bye. And then you didn't even have to do anything. And we never, we just like all say, okay, I'm going to go call her mom right now. And it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't help them have the confidence to do that for themselves. And and there will be times you will have to 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 do something, but it's with permission and it's with knowing when to do that. Yeah, I was going to ask, how old are your kids? So my oldest boy, Liam, is almost 13. So he'll be 13. He's Christmas Eve. And then my daughter is 12 and my one's, tw sorry, 10 and 7. Okay. So how many do you have? Four? Three. 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 Okay. So what... I'm sure that it's been a little bit different with every single one of them, you know, like with the the raising of them. Um, but how have you noticed that shift with yourself? How have you noticed it shift with your parenting? And did your husband oh, kind of get on board with that right away? Or was that difficult? You ask the tough questions, don't you? <laughs> By the way, Sydney, I have to ask you where I answer that question. My, my middle daughter, my middle daughter's, my daughter's middle name is Sydney. Oh, good. And we, named her sydney because we actually got married in australia oh my gosh wow so we 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 took a year off and went traveled with the world for 13 months but that's another story that's amazing <laughs> and so we got married in between um and named her sydney to answer your question um no um he did uh, my my husband um gets on board with um much of what i bring to the table but sometimes he gets frustrated because i bring too many new ideas without following through with any of the ideas that have been started. Yeah. 
And so that creates a little bit of a rift because like, oh, well, that didn't work after like two days. Let's try this. And like, so sometimes it is like letting that stretch out a little bit or seeing what that works. But overall, it has changed everything because I can remember at times because my oldest and I are very similar personalities. So I can remember just many a screening match. And again, it comes back to that idea of belonging. And I think it has to do a little bit with, with boys as well as they might not necessarily want that close knit friends and he's just never had the close friends and things like that. But I always pressured him. It's like, well, who are you talking to? And asking all those questions over and over. And he would just start, you could see the deflation happen in his face, but I would still keep going. And it was me, as I realized going through this work of my own, that was me projecting on him belonging that I wanted that he didn't necessarily even need or want, but that would cause a rift in our relationship. And so as I've been doing this work, I can stop focusing again. And that's why I love the idea of where my tagline is inspiring genius, because when I start going after my genius, I start paying attention to his. So he loves to cook. He loves to um, garden and do those things. So I found him, someone who you could take a gardening class from. He started, my husband is a better baker than I was. His mom's a much better cook. So he's learned how to bake, right? But we've helped him cook. And so even this summer at age 12, my son, two weeks in a row, I'm not even sure which app, which program he used online, but he found a meal planner and he planned out two weeks worth of dinners and cooked those dinners. Oh, wow. All I did was take him grocery shopping and was a shoe stuff, shoe Sous chef. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm tongue tied today. Sous chef some of the time. But I short. think the problem is, is that we always focus on what we're lacking. And so that happens all the time at school. They're not doing well in reading. Well, they need more attention in reading. They're not doing well in math. They need more attention. And then so we we just utilize that after school to like, well, okay, we've got to focus on this. Yeah. And we don't take that time to look at, well, what are they enjoying? What are they good at? And when we, we take a break and we have those kind of conversations, now we're having cooking together. Now we're going to the grocery store together. Now he enjoys going grocery with me. I don't have to go by myself or he'll do half the work, right? Because it's something he enjoys doing. And then because of that, my middle daughter will want to make waffles from scratch because she saw him do it. She's like, well, he did it so I can do it. And, but she loves to write. And so she's been writing these, we have two cats. And so they've nicknamed one of them Evil Pumpkin. And so they tell these stories about Evil Pumpkin and Shadow. And so she's been writing these. And because of it, um, the people that I'm working with, both my my um, kids have spoken on summits now. And so they've both, um, at the age of nine, Bella did. And they're um, both published in um, chapter, we both got published together in anthology. So they each have a chapter in one, um, two different books. They each have one, Voices of Women, and then um, the Parenting Handbook. I'm with my son, and he's talking about his nutrition and all these things. He even went and did a, um, for his, for a younger den, so he's in Boy Scouts, for a younger den, he even did one of their activities and, and did a PowerPoint on nutrition and things like that, um, and then had them over to our house to actually do the cooking. We had different stations and we helped them do that, um, but wow. he ran the whole thing. It's amazing. And so I think when it comes down to it, and even my, and I always forget to mention Lily, <laughs> I'm catching myself right now. Um, she's what I call my little bohemian. She likes to follow what everyone's do, but like for her, when we were homeschooling, we were, we, I would do what we call charms from the morning miracle for parenting. Um, we try to do that in the mornings. And one of the things was meditation and we'd listen to the kids meditations and do those together. And one day she, at four, she says to me, mom, can I just leave the meditation without the, the tape? Can we just like, can I do it? And so she will do things like that where she just is able to figure out those stuff and just the way she relates to her feelings and stuff. And, and, and it just, it's inspiring to see 
that and her acknowledging when she's not doing well. And, and so actually today we just came back from her, a therapist appointment for her just because she knew like she was having issues with some of the things at school and friends, but she said, mom, you're not doing anything about this. And I thought by talking to her and talking all out, but she didn't feel like it was enough. And so I'm like, okay, let's see if this, this is what you need. And she called me out on it. And I was like, if this is what you need, this is what we're going to go do. And so I think them having those, because we talk so much about these different things that it helps them identify what they need and want. And my son struggles the most with saying what he wants to do. And so even on, they were supposed to go sell popcorn and he ends up throws a tantrum on the couch and I literally have to sit on top of him so he doesn't have to go on his, after his sisters. And this was just this weekend, but it was because he actually wanted to help me in my shorts, but he didn't want to say it. <laughs> he didn't want to go yet. That's what he wanted to do. But like, he still struggles with the emotions of it and just struggles to say, this is what I want, but he thinks he needs to go do it with his sisters. So that's what they want. And so mm -hmm. that same power struggle and it's just identifying it. And then we're like, you can go half an hour later. If this is what you want to do, you just need to help express that. But it's again, as he becomes a teenager, I know the brain's shifting and we're going to get a lot more of this, but it's just starting at an early age of just identifying how are you feeling and why. And so I think with my shift in doing all this, it's really changed how we communicate together. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. Like conscious parenting, you know, really, really noticing, really seeing, really paying attention to yourself. And then that way you can also do it for them as well. That's Man, I'll just look forward to more parents just becoming this and, you know, being so aware of themselves and just noticing all of these things for their kids. I'm just like so excited for, for kids coming in. Yay. <laughs> and I don't want to say that it's easy out there just because mm -hmm. you're more conscious about it. Because even like, for instance, a couple weeks ago, we went to back to school night and my son, first class in, tells his teacher, oh, I heard from another teacher that your class is boring and it sucks. <laughs> to her face. <laughs> Like, are it you probably kidding? was, and it probably did. <laughs> and so he just he just goes off in that, and then two teachers later, he's like, "Oh, talking about what kind of books they like? Oh, mom, you read those nonfiction foo foo books that aren't actually even books. They're just like, I mean, I don't need to start like just." And the, my face is just completely dropping, going like, "Okay, we're not all perfect." So we ended up talking all out, but in the end, he ended up writing emails to apologize to both teachers, oh, and it was wow. funny. Because he, I went down to write Dear and stuff, and I almost hit the send button for him. But for some reason, I paused. I stood back up and I'm like, okay, you send them. And he yeah. sat in front of the computer going, this is so hard to hit that send button. I'm like, yeah. yeah. It took him almost a good three three minutes or so to hit those send buttons. But then he did. He was so worried about the repercussions. But then the teachers were, for the most part, really good about it and, and just responded. And like, it just cleared the, cleared the... I basically just wanted him to clear the air before the school year started in terms of like... I'm not going to act, I'm, I'm going to think twice for act this when you're, but that was a big screaming match just to, to make that all happen. But it's those moments are where we get those lessons in and not to, to stand our ground and, and pick the battles. Both my husband and I felt that that was a battle we needed to pick and we needed him to learn something from it. And so we couldn't, it would have been easy. It was late at night. Um, he could have, it was the day before school started and we could have just let it go, but we're like, no, you make a choice. So you don't want to writes letters and these are your consequences. But if you are, then you need to get these done. And he finally chose to get them done. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like I said, I, I'm not a parent, but I don't think that parenting is supposed to be easy because I am a human being. And one thing I know about myself is it takes a lot to take care of myself <laughs> and I'm a yes. very conscious person. So, and I, I still struggle 
But the more conscious I get, the more I can help people meet a deeper part of themselves. The deeper I go, the more space I can hold for other people. And I think that's really what conscious parenting is, is just being able to hold the space for yourself so that way you can help that that soul and that being hold space and deepen their evolution for themselves, you know? And so I think if we, I think that it's really great that you are taking the time to take care of yourself because that's kind of like what we started with is as moms, like, how do we do that? You know, it's got to be everyone else first and then I'm last. But you're saying, no, put yourself first in this way. You know, it doesn't have to be an egoic way, but make sure you belong. Make sure you're checking in with yourself, your dreams, what it is that you want, because you'll be way less resentful. You'll be way more capable of helping your child your child become who they really are, right? Because once you started to get to know who you are, you felt comfortable with allowing your son to be who it, he is and comes to find out you don't even have to cook, right? Like <laughs> he wants to do those things. And yeah. so that's one last thing that you have to worry about. You know, yeah, you have to make sure he's not burning himself. Everything's okay. But he's doing that at 13. And so that's also another thing to realize that the human being isn't stupid, you know, until they're 18. Mm-hmm. And then now here you pay your bills and go be a human <laughs> being. Yeah. You know, we, there's children that are like six years old that have finished college. Like, <laughs> So there's so much to this. And that's where I really love that, that you're you're celebrating the journey in so many ways, you know, not just like your own individual journey, but the whole entire journey of being a parent and knowing that it's not going to be easy. It's going to have ebbs and flows. And that's the thing is like, even if we all get around together and we kumbaya, there will still be issues. Like it, being a human being comes with the unknown. So we'll still have little tiffs in that. And like, even if like we're kumbayaing and someone's pushing me a little farther to the left, I'm going to have to say, hey, we're kumbayaing. This is great and all, but like, let's not push me to the left so far. You know, like it, there's still going to be some things within yes. that. And so I just really love, that's why I wanted to ask that question so people could see. And I think that you did a really wonderful job at showing that when you are okay with yourself, you're also okay with your children being themselves. And that leaves so, like, the resentment, I don't feel as much resentment or anger. I feel like the normal stress of having children and the normal stress of being a parent and wanting everything to be okay, but you don't have this deep pit of, if I could run away and I'll never come back, which a lot of women, unfortunately, do have that. And so I think that that's huge. I just wanted to kind of talk about that. Thank you. Well, I mean, it really comes also back to, I mean, essentially, we all want our kids to be happy, healthy adults, right? But they don't really care what we say. They care what we do. So if they're not seeing us role model that, yeah, how are, what, what inspiration are they going to get to be that? Yeah. And at yeah. some point, our parents want the same thing for us. And how, if we're not, if we're just always in this perpetual martyrdom as a mom, then we're just perpetuating that as well. And again, I feel that perpetuates the masculine of keeping us in this space where we're not truly sharing with each other and stuff. And again, yeah, like you said, the circles are not a fix-it place. They're a place to embrace yourself and to learn how to do that outside of the circle, but it gives you that support to even start. Because yeah, like you said, when you're kumbaya, like it might not always feel right, even at the moment that you're in the circle. But again, we go through our ebbs and flows and it's, it's it's learning to have, and I, I even hate the word balance now, because when you think of balance, you're thinking of a scale. 
it has equal weight. Whereas I love the idea of a rhythm, like you're rhythming, you're going, mm -hmm. you're dancing through all of it versus, and you're going to go in one direction and, and flow around it versus always having to be equal because yeah, it's yeah. just not that way. And it always feels like this pressure on us. Yeah, and we think that yeah. it has to be balanced. Like, oh, we have to have the perfect balance to our lives. And no, because we're all juggling all these balls. And sometimes these are glass balls and sometimes these are rubber and they're going to bounce. And sometimes those change whichever ones are glass are the ones you're going to want to protect. And so it's really just finding at that moment, which ones you need to work on and which ones your kids, you need to support your kids and what they're working on. And really just bringing sure that our ultimate goal is, like I said, igniting our genius. So we're all going to that spot of where we're doing what we really feel called to do and what we really enjoy to do. And that's the model that we give for our kids is if we're doing that for ourselves, then they're going to figure out, find a way to figure out what they're good at doing. Awesome. Yes. All right. Is. Well, everyone, yeah, <laughs> we're there. It is time for the deep dive five. And I'm going to ask you a series of five questions and then just whatever comes to mind that could be long answers, short answers, whatever you decide. First one is when do you feel you have felt the most seen and heard in your life? Ooh, I like that one a lot. And honestly, I, you would think like you being in front of a whole bunch of people, but honestly, it was finally when I could sit by myself and feel like I was okay with that. And I had plenty of things to do because I was seen and heard by myself. And I didn't feel like I had to be supported by anybody else. I didn't have to wait for my husband or anyone else to entertain me. I was good with me. Wow. What's your favorite self-care and healing activity or practice? It has to be meditation, just in terms of, um, and then being able to get your thoughts out on paper. And I have to admit, I don't even necessarily do it every single day, but I always feel the best. And actually going to add one more thing to that, because I'm going to give you two, is um, I just started doing Qigong, um, which is, I don't know if people know what it is, but it's basically a form, like Tai Chi is a form of Qigong, but Qigong is more, um, not Tai Chi is more, more martial arts. So that kind of gives people perspective. But I started doing it with my son. It was something that he was willing to do with me. And so I think the structure of doing it together and, and growing together is really what made it wonderful. What has, what has been the best wisdom that you have received and that you live by? Um, I, I think it comes back to the Dalai Lama saying the Western woman's going to save the world. And how do we do that? And in, in, in Dr. Boland's interpretation of us creating these circles and really changing that paradigm of how our perspective change of how we see what we're doing. And that it's that shift that we need. We all need. And what makes you laugh or brings you joy? You know, that's, that's a good one because it was funny. At the dinner table, we tried to go through one struggle. Um, I'm sorry, one success. We always start with the good one struggle. One thing that makes us, one thing that made us laugh that day and then one thing we're grateful for. And I always struggle on the laughter part. And I mentioned that last night. Like I struggle with figuring out what, what like remembering what made me laugh. And so it's funny that you bring up that question, but the, the thing that makes me laugh the most is when I'm watching or doing something fun with my kids. And what's your heart's greatest wish? My heart's greatest wish is to see connecting mamas flourish in a community where women are just coming together and supporting each other. And my passion behind that is also when I create the membership is having a place for them to create projects that they can work on together and just creating this, leaving this world better than I found it. Beautiful. All right. Well, man, thank you so much for that. That was just amazing. 
you know, that was something a little bit different. Neither one of us, Sydney or myself, are actual mothers, but of course we are mothers in certain ways. Um, But yeah, so I wasn't really sure like how that was going to go, but that was amazing. I thought that was really, really cool. And I learned so much. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And I am going to continue to hold space for connecting mamas because I think that it's something very needed and very important right now. So any of the mamas listening, definitely go and get in touch because it's it's needed. Definitely. And people can find you at um, connectingmamas.com. And if you go to connectingmamas.com slash free um, course, and of course, I'll put all of these links in the show notes, they can find you there. And what are they going to find in that free course? Well, actually, I did change the free course, but I'm going to give you a link for your site so they can still get to the free course. It'll just be directly on the show notes for this. But the free course is the check-in framework, which is um, curiosity, honesty, expectation, connection, keep listening and intentional now. And so each of those is just a short two to three minute video, but um, for each of those sections, but then a prompt to get you started. And again, the whole point is just getting started and figuring out who am I and what do I want and opening up that curiosity to be open to that question. But again, I always recommend whether it's my program or someone else's, but finding a women's circle coaching or someone to help you facilitate that. Because even I think about myself, like I can do certain things for other people, but then even do those certain things for me, I need someone else, you know, helping me figure that out. So we all need that external accountability and that structure to help us bring that forth. And so I recommend them finding whatever suits their needs. And I want to leave with one last recommendation for everyone is I love to end with the idea of connection. And we always have those thoughts when we see someone like walk by, like you might see a dress that they like, or their kid looks really cute or something. And we just let them walk by. I want to challenge you to get those compliments out of your head and share them. And a lot of times it just brings a smile. Sometimes it starts a conversation. Sometimes it's just to have a nice, pleasant exchange between, but it just, it's creating that connection and taking those baby steps to just be more open to what opportunities of connection there are out there. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I love when that happens. Just perfect strangers just saying, hey, you look amazing today. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for showing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks everybody else for listening. Um, Of course, I'm going to put everything in the show notes so you can find and connect with Michelle if you would like to do that. And we're going to see you then next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you would like to connect with Michelle DeKaiser and learn more about her women's circles and community for mamas and read her blog, you can go to connectingmamas.com or follow the links below for her free course and Facebook page. Thanks again, and we will see you next time.